Church means family to me. Church means sharing pet stories and reading scripture together. Worshiping with friends and meeting with our middle school kids. Going to church means worshiping God with our Wellspring family and fellowship. Church became healing for me, a place where uh, I, I could just get well, get well in the spirit. Church means you get to learn about God, and as you learn about God, you get to spend time with Him, and He gets to spend time with you too. What I'm hoping for in a church is just a place of community where I can ask questions and be taught and just openly, you know, learn things about my faith, about myself, about others. Be challenged, but also be allowed to challenge and just to grow and help others grow. Church means we're not divided by our differences um, and we are all equals in God and that God is with us and that everyone here is what makes up the church. Wow, that video speaks for itself. Friends, you don't need a sermon from me today. That was our sermon. So let's all go home now with that beautiful message of what church means to you. Um, I guess I guess I still have to give the sermon. I tried to sell this to our pastor team that this video was so great, I wouldn't need to give a sermon, but um, really I'm just here today to affirm all that Cheryl and Gordon and Elliot and Gray, Julie and Scott and Layton, Chris and Jonathan all shared based on their experiences at Wellspring, whether new or whether a seasoned part of our family. What does church mean to you? This is, a part, this is part two of our series, Why Church? And last week, Pastor Dan started us out with a lot of helpful information, laying the foundation for why the church, with a capital C, what, what it is, why we do church. We know now, if we didn't already, that God's mission has a church and that church matters to remedy our isolation, our immaturity, and our individualistic tendencies and ways of thinking. Church is a foretaste of God's kingdom. And a healthy church is one that embodies God's heart and hope for all creation. Pastor Dan gave us compelling reasons and said things so much better than I did just now. So if you didn't listen to or, or watch that sermon, I highly recommend that you do for an excellent word on why we do church. So today we shift our focus a little bit on how do we do church with a small c, which will lead us to responding to the question, why Wellspring? And many of you who have been with us for a very long time know that we've been a church that asks why in serving and responding. And this will not change because why we do things will always be important. It's kind of like our litmus test for making sure that God's presence and his purpose 
and his plan shows up strong in all that we do and all that we serve. So, going back to how do we do church now? Especially after being cooped up on and off for over 18 months, and it's not over, we still need to be very wise and careful about the ways in which we gather to do anything. It's been a long time since we have all been together physically, shoulder to shoulder, hug to hug, right? And some of us have gotten used to this this way. Today, some of our Wellspring friends helped us to remember the reasons why we want to be a family that calls itself a church. Perhaps it's important to distinguish too that when I say church, I am not talking about a physical structure, a building, a place. Yes, I am here at our church building in Halava, delivering a sermon to all of you. And the building enables us to have a big area to meet regularly, but ministry doesn't just happen within these walls. Church is because we are gathered together huddled together on Zoom even, to worship and pray to our Lord and with one another. Church is the people, you and I, learning and applying his word and teaching to grow in our lives and in our relationship with him. So today, I've invited Bryce Hara and his dad, Darren, to read our scripture passage, which many of you are familiar with in John 4. And many of you know this story to be about Jesus's forgiveness and grace of a Samaritan woman. But as you read or listen, I want you to be focusing more on the process of what is taking place beyond the walls and at the well. So I introduce to you now Darren and Brett. Thanks, Pastor Cheryl. Let's read the scripture. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees has heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. 
Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is, have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when a true worship when when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking to her? Then, leaving her water jar, the, wa the woman went back to town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this, could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his word, many more became believers. Thank you so much, Bryce and Darren. And for those of you who haven't seen Bryce in quite a while, yes, that really was Bryce growing up. So I want to start just by asking our first reflection question, which is, as you were listening to that story, who do you identify with most in the passage? Is it Jesus? Is it the Samaritan woman? Is it the disciples? Maybe it's the townspeople. And why is that? In what way do you feel that you identify with that particular person or persons? And this will be a question that you can take some time with this week to respond to and share with in your small groups if you belong to one. Or maybe you can journal if, if that's not the case, but just think about that a little bit. Now the setting for this passage begins with an example, really, of church outside the walls by Jesus and his followers. And Jesus is traveling back to Galilee rather than his intended destination of Jerusalem in order to avoid conflict with the Pharisees who have heard about him. There will be a time and a place for that, but this was not the time. While Jesus could have avoided Samaria because it was the longer way back to Galilee, and it consisted of Samaritan people that Jewish people looked down on, Jesus did not do that. He stayed the course of his father's will, and that was to go through Samaria. And that would lead him to encounter a meeting with the Samaritan woman at the well. This is a story about discrimination, about inequality of women, about sin, about pride and reputation. It's also a story rich in God's grace and redemption, God's truth, God's acceptance, and God seeing value and purpose in all people, especially those who believe and follow him. This is also a story, though, about how we do church. 
Does that seem like a far reach for some of you? It's okay, I never thought about this the many times that I've read this passage. This could be a far reach if we think of church as a place or a building, somewhere inside walls, but during this pandemic, even before that with access to social media, haven't many of us been to church or watched worship or read the Bible via the internet? Now, you don't even need to leave home or get out of your pajamas to go to church right now, right? It's become quite a comfortable routine. A comfortable routine. I'm sure it was like that for this woman. Coming to the well routinely at this time, noon, to get water from the well. And I say it was comfortable, although I don't think this woman was really comfortable with who she was. But being able to be isolated kept her away from being shunned by men and women in her community. We can get comfortable doing something over and over, but not necessarily be comfortable with who we are at the same time. Make sense? During this pandemic, we've been boxed in by Zoom screens and other factors like selling our building and preparing it after having to downsize. It's all made it very difficult to do church within the walls. And yep, we've been a church without walls for a while, haven't we? One of the great qualities of Wellspring though are the innovative ideas to find ways to connect through our Sunday service, through our small groups, through special sharing from guests and their presentations, Advent drive-bys, parking lot services, and meeting outside or being able to meet while still being socially distanced. We've actually been doing church without walls for quite a while. However, what about those walls that are intangible impediments to being and doing church together? To inviting others outside these walls to be and do church together? Jesus is all about breaking down barriers to be a church that is outside of the box, now more so than ever. Jesus is about breaking down these intangible barriers that limit our ability to be sent out to continue his mission to grow his kingdom. So let's get right to our first point today, which is... A church outside of the box, number one, breaks down the walls of the customary, the cutoff, and the cosmetic. So it breaks down the walls of the customary, the cutoff, and the cosmetic. Yes, had to work hard for those C words. <laughs> You see, it was customary for Jewish and Samaritan people to disassociate with each other, right? The Samaritans were discriminated against. Yet, Jesus, knowing these customs and prejudices, asks this Samaritan woman. He engages with her, who, he, she who comes to draw water from the well, if she will give him a drink. What was he thinking? Jesus was breaking down the walls of the customary ways. Even more so, this was a woman who had a very low place in society, <clears throat> a Samaritan and a woman. And because he's Jesus, he takes it a step further to address her lifestyle, 
not to embarrass or to condemn, but with so much truth and kindness. He's calling her to really see her value and to be in a relationship with him and to receive the blessings of being part of his church. Her presence at the well at noon was intentional to avoid others or to be avoided by others. She would have normally been with the other women coming to the well to draw water when it was much cooler. And you know, those jugs, they were heavy. They weighed a ton when she filled them with water, but she was ostracized and she came alone. She was cut off from having some meaningful and close relationships with people. But that didn't stop Jesus from approaching her and inviting her to drink of the living water, to receive and follow him. Jesus was wiping away the cosmetic, the surface stuff, and really seeing her and her heart instead. Now, I put on makeup in the daytime, almost every day, to look better and maybe even feel better about myself. Those of us with no natural eyebrows know what I'm talking about, right? I know so many women like myself who wouldn't want to leave the house without at least having our eyebrows on. And I admire women who don't wear makeup and are comfortable with themselves and with their skin. I want to get there. Now, for those of you who cannot relate to something cosmetic, it's really about covering up what's beneath or changing the appearance of what's beneath in the hopes of looking better. It could be clothing, or in this case, being excessively private about yourself and your lifestyle that you're always in the shadows. Jesus loves the Samaritan woman, regardless of where she's been and what she's doing and sees who she is. He sees her heart and it's he extends to her an invitation. He invites her to drink of his living water, giving her an opportunity to go deeper and possibly deal with some of her choices in life. Or to know that regardless, even if she cannot change her lifestyle right now, even if it's something that she's not quite ready to do, that her life will still look and feel very different just knowing Jesus. But he doesn't force, he simply invites. We don't know what happens after she encounters Jesus with what her personal life will look like, but we do know that he affected her. He loved her regardless, and it is this kind of love that will call someone to repent, to release, to do things differently if we keep inviting them to the ways of Christ. Any other way is unloving and unchrist. Now, interestingly, the Samaritan woman doesn't really know how to respond, right, to this invitation and this, this dialogue. She's been called out in a truthful but kind way. And to avoid the subject, she deflects by talking about their places of worship, right, where they worship. Their places of worship being very different which is interesting as we talk about and think about church outside the box. Christ responds by clearly stating that the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. He's doing and also foretelling that it's not about the place, 
but the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, our posture, our hearts, and our attitudes of worship, no matter where we are. Worship, which comes from this Greek word proskuneo, could be defined as a state of mind or an attitude of reverence and honor of God's person and authority, keeping in mind our inferiority when compared to God. So Jesus is saying place, location, or physical structure being used as a place of worship is very separate from our attitude of worship. Church is where the Holy Spirit is present. 1 John 5, 6 says, This, Jesus, is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. Jesus is offering this woman, he's offering all of us living water. The blood, of course, will come when Jesus himself goes to the cross. So reflection question number two asks, what unhealthy walls have you put up around yourself that it may be time to break down? What unhealthy walls have you put up around yourself that it may be time to break down? How difficult is this for you and why? Friends, we don't just want to be a body of believers that is limited by walls, but we want to be a part of Jesus's movement that breaks down the walls that are unhealthy, the walls of customs that divide and discriminate, the walls of cutoff that exclude and erase, the walls of cosmetic that cover and conceal. That's where the well becomes so significant. Wells, they signify life and prosperity and are a symbol of a healthy community if there is good water coming from the well. So many have yet to drink of that good water. Friends, you and I can bring the living water, which is Jesus, the knowledge of Christ to others. He's telling this woman at the well, if you knew this priceless gift from God that will be life-changing, if you know I'm inviting you to this drink, you would have asked him yourself and received Christ. Jesus is said to be at the well of Jacob. The same Jacob who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, who God had entered into a covenant with, promising to bless Abraham and his descendants. This well is significant, and it is also outside the walls. This well is a place that invites gathering and sharing. And I found this to be a fascinating fact, that this account in the Bible is the longest conversation recorded between Jesus and another person. And how many times have you experienced a conversation about God or something extraordinary that you wouldn't normally talk about within the walls of church. In fact, it's much easier to draw out a person beyond the walls of the church, isn't it? Maybe some of you have already been doing this where you operate in 
day-to-day church mode outside of the walls. I know I first realized the power of this when in my law practice, as clients came bombarded with family discord, with cut-off relationships and illnesses that required attention, their estate plan became secondary to listening to their pain. It became helpful and appreciated to offer prayer, which honestly, it's sometimes quite scary to ask someone if you can pray for them if you don't really know them. But once you say that, amen, there's always a change in demeanor. Taking time to intentionally break down the walls outside of church allowed me to dismantle some of my own stereotypes that I have had about people. It allowed me to share Christ not with the expectation that they would commit their life to him, but that the seeds would begin to be planted. This is how we do church outside of the box. And Wellspring has been on this trajectory to do church outside of the box for quite a while. I think it started way back from Kids Day where we went into the women's prison and we tried to minister just by spending time with them and being with them and giving generously in so many ways. And we've heard wonderful stories and testimonies from them. And it continues on with our malama, our schools, and even with opportunities coming up ahead with hugs and river of life in the near future. So let's continue to be a church that breaks down these unhealthy walls and chooses to serve outside the box. As we break down these unhealthy walls of customs, of cutoffs, and cosmetic, let's go to teaching point number two, which is that Jesus is inviting us to draw from his well of mending, equipping, and releasing. The important words, mending, equipping, and releasing. And I really want you to remember these words Um, Because in the next several weeks, we are actually dedicating a Sunday sermon to each of these words. Why? Because this is the vision that God has put on the hearts of your pastor team for Wellspring as we move forward and beyond, breaking down unhealthy walls as we are called to be God's church, drawing from and sharing living water with others. A church that helps to mend, equip, and release disciples of Christ. So some words and phrases to ruminate on as the week goes by. And so you have some blanks in your notes. Mending, what is that? Mending. And mending means really, it's all about being loved in Christ. So be loved in Christ. That's what mending is. And perhaps you're like the Samaritan woman who has some very deep wounding, a hard past, a bleak future, some ways that might need change. And you need mending. You need to be loved in Christ. And then there's the word equipping. And equipping really means becoming like Christ Jesus, right? Becoming like Christ Jesus. That's the equipping part. And the Samaritan woman was open to hearing God's affirmation and invitation. She was 
open to being invited to God's family of belonging, to becoming informed and empowered to share the good news of Jesus with others in a way that is Christ-like, the same way that Jesus invited her to better ways of living and being. This is the process of equipping. You and I are being trained, shepherded, discipled, shaped by reading your Bible, by plugging into church, by prayerfully walking with and living by the Holy Spirit's leading. And then there's releasing, and releasing means building with Christ. Building with Christ, that's releasing. And perhaps you are at a place right now where you are ready to be released. And I don't mean away from the church, everyone, I'm just talking about release to leadership or to missions, maybe to seminary, to committing to a specific group at church that sparks joy and interest, to reaching out to get to know someone better, to doing more outreach beyond the walls of the church. You are being released. The Samaritan woman becomes the first missionary that we read about in the gospel to go out and make disciples. And she does. As soon as Jesus releases her, she goes to the townspeople. She tells them that she's met Jesus. These same townspeople who felt or who she felt shunned by and who she felt so inadequate with, she was able to share that she had been with Jesus and he is who he says he is. And because of her boldness, because of her being released, more came to believe. You just never know who God's going to use, but don't you want to be ready when the time comes? I pray that for all of us who have loved ones, friends, even strangers that we have great compassion for, that we'll be ready to be released and to reach more people in meaningful ways to share the gospel and to invite. Now this mending, equipping, and releasing, I don't want to say too much because, you know, we have the sermons coming up, but I will say it's something that is cyclical. It keeps coming back around. There are different times in our life where you're going to need to be mending or equipping or releasing, different stages in your life. And, you know, interestingly, as I was preparing for this sermon today and I had thought, okay, this is the passage that God is putting on my heart. I actually went back to look at how many times I had preached on this sermon because I knew it wasn't the first time. And there have actually been two other times. And the very first sermon that I ever preached with you at Wellspring in 2016 was from this passage, which I found to be really interesting. And the focus was different, but I was in a mending and equipping stage at the time. And... Here it is five years later, and I know it's because of being able to be here at Wellspring with this body who is supporting and encouraging and challenging me to grow and to be open to transformation, the kind of transformation that God wanted to do, that I was able to be released at some point to serve on our pastor team and now to take steps to go to seminary and actually be in seminary. So um, 
yeah, I know that this is, I think I'm a living, walking, breathing testimony of what Wellspring is and how Wellspring does so well with mending, equipping, and releasing. And we really want to bring that to the forefront in this season ahead. Last reflection question, number three, in drawing from Christ's well, which of these three stages are you currently in? Are you mending, equipping, or in a releasing stage? And Pastor Rebecca will begin talking about mending next week, which will then be followed by sermons on equipping and releasing. And I urge you to listen because we are headed into a new season, a new vision, a new way, and of course, of course, of course, keeping the parts of Wellspring that are essential to who we are. We are all about the meaningful. We are all about the listening and responding. We are all about the genuineness, the welcoming, the truthful and kind, the third way. Those will always be. So friends, as we close, I offer this. Let's be a church that goes beyond the walls, outside of the box. Although we appreciate and are so grateful that we do have a building to be a hub for us. Let's be a church that breaks down the unhealthy walls that separate us from being one unified body of people of Christ. Let's go deeper together. Let's look for those who are lost and roaming and extend invitations for good living water from the well. When you drink from the well of living water, where God is present, and he is present everywhere, there are possibilities for real and genuine relationships where we are loved by Christ, transformed into the likeness of Christ, and are a meaningful helper in the building of God's kingdom with Christ. So I ask you again, what does church mean to you? Let's pray. Oh, holy God, living water, we are first and foremost thankful that you are a God of three in one, that you set everything in motion from creation to imprint the mightiness of your sovereignty, your grace, and your deep desire to call us to be a part of your own family. Lord, we pray that as we prayerfully consider and claim the importance of reaching those who have yet to know and experience your goodness and love, that you would help us to break down those walls that are barriers rather than blessings. Would you convict each one of us with courage to overcome those customs and those cast out and that which is at the surface and instead instill courage in each of us to empower us to share your word and truth so that another life may be saved and transformed by the love and sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Father, we pray this would be a church without walls that would be about mending, equipping, and releasing of your people, raising up disciples, training up leaders to do more of your good work. Hear our prayer, O Lord, and inspire us to go to the well, to drink deep of your living water in the power and name of the three and one. Amen.